You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you would like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. All right, we're going to get into the Word of God today, and we're going to be talking about when God asks for faith. Now, this is not going to be some uh, you know, hard-pressed, shake-you-down, try-to-get-your-cash-out-of-you message. In fact, this is really about your faith as it relates to trusting in God. And, and to start off this message today, I want to show you a picture. Does anybody recognize this mood? Any married person ever experienced this sort of dynamic? Anybody that ever had a good close friend ever experienced this dynamic with your friend? This, this is a reality. This is a reality that I have seen many, many times. Uh, not only in my own relationship, as I've wondered why Jody no longer loves me. But I've also... <laughs> she really does love me, but... We've had our sad moments, too, when she has placed her fingers on her forehead and wondered what's wrong with me. And I have resolutely looked off into the distance until some miracle changes things. But I've also sat down with a lot of couples over my years and seen this exact kind of behavior. And even more fun than this behavior when they literally turn away from each other and are not talking. When they actually look at each other and are shut down. Inside, they're facing each other, and on, no, sorry, on the outside, they're facing each other. On the inside, they're looking away. Do you know what that feels like? When, when you kind of, you know that that other person is really not engaged with you anymore. You're close to them, and they're close to you, and it is an awkward relationship. Now, this, this is something that is so typical of people and God. I know that we do this with each other. When Ash disappoints me, or sometimes I, to his face, that we get upset with one another in the way that we've let one another down, and we close down. Now, this is reality that we express with God all of the time. I want to share with you a picture that Jesus showed about the way it's supposed to be. And in this picture, what happened is that Jesus has gone away. He's telling this parable about after he was raised from the dead and ascends into heaven, he gives a promise that he's going to come back. But he says, before I go, I'm going to entrust myself and my abilities and my gifts to the different people that, that, that will follow me and love me. So he makes a, a, a contribution to people. And then when he comes back, he's going to see the result. And, and the first part of that result is when he comes back, there are two people that he meets or two people that, he, that respond to him. It says, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. And the master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of the master. Don't you just love that? There is so much joy going on that when Jesus comes back, he is hands up for high fives and the people of the earth who follow him are hands up for high fives. It's fantastic. It's great. You're great. We're great. Isn't it great? Am I shouting a lot? (sighs) Wouldn't you be glad every time you came home, that's the way your wife greeted you? Wouldn't you be glad your husband, you know, when you... You came home that he greeted you with that kind of joy. 
Children, wouldn't it be great if your parents greeted you like that? Parents, wouldn't it be great if your children greeted you like that? Wouldn't it be great if we were all just happy? Wouldn't it be great if you were a boss and your employees greeted you like that? You were gone for a week. Don't worry, we've doubled the business. It's fantastic. You're going to make so much money. Wouldn't it be great if you were the employer and the boss came into the business and said, this is so fantastic, we're all winning. You see, what it works is happy and joyful, isn't it? When it works, it's full of honest people giving all of their hearts. When marriages work, it's when there's joy abounding. When, when relationships work, it's when people want to give and there's no holdback. It's joy, joy, joy. But Jesus has told this story because of the contrast he wants to share. There's one person that has a totally different attitude. It says the one who re- he also had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. Isn't that, you feel the love? Isn't that just a warm thing? Our people are, wouldn't it, this is a, probably something most of us experience more often is the withdrawal type, the, the measured type of relationship. You know, people, you know, you come home and your wife says to you, I know you're just such a tough guy. You know, you want everything. You demand everything. Here's, here's your food. Here's your stuff. Here's your care. Here's your love. Or the husband saying the same thing to the wife. It's, it is such a classic thing for people to become measured and withdrawn when we see other people as demanding. And this person's attitude changed when they saw God as demanding. Now, here's the question. Is God really demanding? Is, does God ask a lot of us? Does God say, come on, be good? Does he say, come on, try harder? Share, share about Jesus. Does he say, be nicer to other people? Is, it, is God a God full of demands? Or is God a generous God who gives? And I think we want to talk about that today because religion is something that mankind invented. Here's my description. Religion is doing the things that God requires to please him so that we get his help and favor. There's all kinds of people in the world who think that what God wants is for us to be good so that he will bless us. If I give my money, then he will bless me with money. If I give kindness, then he will give kindness. If I give obedience, then he will give favor. It's all an exchange. Like when they, one of these legal people in the Bible, a Bible expert, came to Jesus, and the lawyer stood up and put him to the test, and he asked, Teacher, what do I do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do? Because God is so stingy that he would never just give me eternal life. I have to earn it. I have to work for it. Then can I ask you this question? Are you doing good things to get God's help? Are you, are you being obedient to God because you want to get his reward? Or are you in love with God and happy to do anything that he desires? You see, religion is something that we do, and then we get super disappointed when God doesn't do his side of the equation. Like we think, we're God, we're, look at how good I am, God. Look how faithful I am, God. Look at all this stuff I'm doing. And then when God doesn't respond... With the payday, which, whatever your payday is, happy life, no conflict, lots of money, you know, holidays on the beach. Or what about a life with no pain? 
or no sickness, no disappointment. See, when God doesn't hold up his end of the bargain, a bargain he never agreed to, we get disappointment with God. We get anger at God. We we become fearful of God. And then we have withdrawal from God. And then we have stinginess with God. Can I say this? God never struck the religion bargain. He never once said, I will only bless you if you're good. Because the truth is, he has blessed us before we were good. Before we even cared to be good. He acted first. And he never ever made a religious deal with us. He said, we will love one another or we will have no relationship at all. So I want to ask you this question. Do you have withdrawal patterns in your life? Withdrawal from God. Withdrawal from people. You know, what happens in the withdrawal patterns, first there's less passion. You don't want to see them as much. You don't want to be around them as much. You, you don't have a desire. There's no excitement. You just don't, not interested. Then there's less interaction because there's no draw. There's no desire. And then, of course, that leads then to a lot of false assumptions because you're no longer hearing from each other, communicating. You decide, well, that person didn't like me, so I'm not going to like them. And God didn't do for me, so I'm not going to do for God. And then eventually we have more hostility with God. And there actually is, perhaps, can you just pay attention to me just for a second? There actually could be something in your heart that is angry at God. I just want to put it out there. And let's talk about this. Are you passive-aggressive in your relationship with God? Does anybody, does anybody know what passive-aggressive is? I know people throw that word around, passive-aggressive. That person is so passive-aggressive. What does that even mean? Well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a psychological description, really. What, is it, what does it mean? I'm going to put a chart up for you and see if you can find yourself on it. You see, passive-aggressive looks different ways. If you're a passive person, you just can't say no. You avoid conflicts at all costs. You let other people take advantage of you, and you feel like a victim. I won't ask for hands up. But then if you're mildly passive-aggressive, you're not aware that you're angry. But you do think about revenge. You feel resentful, and you act unhappy to make a point. You ever met those people? They're just a little bit saddish. They're not happy you're happy. They're sadding, sadding you. And then, of course, you have the passive-aggressive. You deny that you're angry. You actually are angry, but you're in full denial. You use sarcasm a lot. You plan revenge. You try to get them back in secret. And, of course, there is the fully aggressive, and there are a lot of people who are like this as well, deliberately hurting others, raise their voice and yell, physically aggressive, and they act in anger. Imagine for, if you could just for a moment, I go to the fridge and open it up to discover one last piece of cake. And I say to my wife, Jody, do you mind if I eat this last piece of cake? And she says... Sure, Joe, you go right ahead and have the last piece. (laughs) Do Do you get what I'm saying? Right. Does she want me to have that last piece? Not at all. But she's already made a pile of assumptions about my greed, about always getting the last piece of cake for myself. 
about my sense of entitlement, about my sense of worth of cake, about perhaps the expanding level of my waistline. You see, we all have a lot of subtleties in our communication, don't we? Right? We don't always come right out and say it, no, you fat pig, leave it for me. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? We just don't. I'm ticked at you, you suck a lot, no cake for you. That, that, that I could understand. The subtleties, now Johnny would never say such things to me, and you know that, but we have this sort of um, hostility thing that goes on underneath. And, and, and God knows that we're not totally pleased with him. God knows that we're not super happy with him. Here's your money, God. Like the person in the parable, here's what you can have, what is yours. But my heart is not with you. Now, if you have this pattern in your life with other people around you, and they could be all kinds of people. They could be your family, brothers, sisters, parents, your husband, wife, could be your close friends. These kinds of patterns show up everywhere. What you really need to understand is that there is a pain that has created an anger. There has been an expectation that has been unmet. And it might not even be that person who caused it. They're just on the receiving end of it. And we get this passive-aggressive disappointment. And what my concern is, do you have that towards God? I'm in pain, God. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. Why didn't you stop them from hurting me? Why do I have to do this? It's not fair. And in brackets, it's the religion of I deserve better. I did for you, God. What are you doing for me? Now, in the book of Psalms, there is this great, honest conversation where the writer, Asaph, talks about a moment where he hit the slippery slope of being angry with God. Now, he says, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped because I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Because here's what we do. Whenever we feel like we're on the short end of the deal, we always feel like, why does that person who is worse than me get more? That person is a jerk and they're healthier than me. That person is greedy and stingy and they have more. Why them and not me? And that comparison is the slippery slope where we withdraw from God and go, you're not being fair to me because look what you are letting them get away with. So he goes on and he says, behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocent. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. But God, why do you give me tough times when they'll get easy times? Why are the, why are the wicked prospering and I'm getting a sucky life? See, we ask these questions and then we withdraw. And so I love how he resolves it. He says, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. This is a man speaking to God. But look what he says about God's behavior. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. 
and you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you receive me to glory. Do you notice that if the two people seated and one has their, they, they both have their backs, what God is actually saying is, my back is not to you, and I am not closed towards you, and my arms are open to you all of the time, and I'm holding your hand. I'm hanging on to you, and I have never once changed. God is not religious. He is not demanding. He is giving. Nevertheless, even though you are a sulky little puppy, I'm nice to you. So, God does not believe in religion. In fact, one day the people came to ask Jesus. They said to him, what what, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What are we supposed to be doing here? Jesus answered him, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Could you possibly please just trust me? Believe in me, Jesus is saying. And it is both believe to be saved, but also believe in my character. Believe in what you've just seen. Believe in me. Jesus is saying, I'm God. I'm the one. When you are complaining about God, have a look at my life. Am I like you think God is? Jesus is saying, why don't you ask this question? Who am I? What am I like? Do I give miracles only to good people? Have I been looking for good works? Jesus is saying, no, put your faith in me, not in that fake God that you made up or that some priest told you about or some book led you to believe or some doubt or fear in your heart led you to agree with. That's not the real God. I'm the real God. You know what I'm like? I do good things for bad people. That's what I'm like. So believe in me because believing is the way of salvation. He says in Romans 1.17, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I want you to see this. This word righteousness does not just mean you are a good person. It, it is the gift of righteousness, not something you earn, something you are given. But what righteousness for you means is that you have a right relationship with God. You are on the same, you are in the same room. You are sitting on the same couch. You are allowed in the same company because God has made you righteous in his sight. Now, how did that happen? It comes from faith, from believing. Believing in Jesus puts you on the couch with God, not facing away, but facing towards each other. But do you know this phrase, righteousness, the righteous shall live by faith? Do you know where that statement comes from? It's a quote, right? You see the quote marks around it? It's a quote from the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. That's one of the more fun Bible books to say. Maybe you want to turn to your neighbor and say, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Don't spit on them. Just say Habakkuk. Now, Habakkuk was a prophet in the Old Testament. And Habakkuk has a, has a unique thing to say. And you know what Habakkuk's unique thing to say is? He is grumpy. 
He is angry. He is upset. And you know why he's upset? Because his people, the people of Israel, the people of God are being punished by God for their lack of faith, their lack of trust, their lack of obedience because of that no faith, no trust. So they're being punished. And do you know who God's using to punish them? A nation that's more badder than they are. And so Habak's going, and that ain't fair here, is it? I'm doing the math here, God, and it doesn't work out here. If I'm getting in trouble, I'm getting 10 smacks from you. They certainly got to get 20 smacks. In fact, there's a smack being handed out. I got to be the smacker, not the smacky. Do you get what I'm saying here, God? How is this faith? If I'm going through a hard time and bad people are getting it easier. Well, he kind of says it like this with less of the Brooklyn. <laughs> you are from everlasting, O oh God, my holy one. We shall not die, O oh, oh Lord. You have ordained them, those people, as a judgment. And you, O oh Rock, have established them for reproof, meaning they're the ones smacking me. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you oddly look at the traitors that remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? He's basically saying, how can you let them get away with this? This is just not fair. And so he asked the question of God, this is just not fair that you would smack us with those guys. And so... I will take my stand at the watch post, at the station, myself at the tower, and I will look what he will say to me. What will answer concerning my complaint? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that other people speak your language? I know that you've been ticked at God and feeling moody and grumpy with him, and you were looking for somebody who would actually say how you felt. Well, Habakkuk has said it. He said, I'm going to ask God, why do you let this happen? And I'm going to stand here until you tell me. And the Lord answered him, write this vision down. I'm going to draw you a picture. Make it plain, put it on tablets, and then take two tablets. Sorry, it's just... So he may run, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits is the point of time, and it hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. You know what he's saying? I am going to draw you a picture of Jesus. It's going to be written in the tablets of my book and in the tablets of your heart. And I want you to make it as clear as possible because when Jesus comes, you will recognize him if you have the right picture. And so he says, behold, his soul, that's the guy doing the smacking, is puffed up. It's, up, it's, it's not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. And moreover, wine is just a traitor. An arrogant man is never at rest. His greed is as wide as the grave. It is like death. He is never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects them or all people. You know what he's saying? Are you ready for this? Because I'm about to give you a giant reproofful smack. Do you know when you... Do you know when you have that attitude of stinginess with God, where you say, God, you're not giving me enough? Do you know what you're doing? You have basically made yourself God. 
You're saying, you're supposed to order the whole universe for me here, God. You're supposed to make sure I get what I want. And you know what? That craving to be like God is like living in the grave. It will consume you and destroy you, and you will never, ever, ever in your life be satisfied because you always think about yourself. You will never at once be at peace. And see, God is trying to rescue you here by these words and saying, turn your arrogant, stinking butt around on that couch and look at me. I'm a lot nicer than you think I am. And if you ever thought we got into this deal where you work for me and then I give you stuff, I never bargained that. We got one thing here. We love each other. And that's all we got. And so, God never ever endorses evil, but God can use any evil for our good. Our spiritual lives then depend on faith, trust, because bad things are going to happen to you and things are not going to work out. And the earth is not your home, so it will never, ever satisfy you like heaven. And you have got to believe in God the entire journey. And you will live by that faith. And God is simply asking you this. Trust me. Trust me. I'm good. So, have you withdrawn from God? Maybe you've never really trusted God. Are you, are you working for God's help in your life? Do you live a self-protective life? I want to say this to you. Even in your pain and doubt, God is asking for faith. Even though you don't understand, he still is asking for you to believe. You're not going to figure this out. You're going to trust it out. In every act of obedience, God is still asking for faith. Even when you do the right thing. It's never so that you get something. And in renewing your joy and your salvation, God is asking you for faith. Can I just ask you to be honest with yourself for one moment? Because the passive-aggressive person denies that they're angry. But if you have felt this wounding that God hasn't done enough, and you have turned away, and you don't have the joy... The joy of what? You're here. You're amazing. I can't believe it. I'm so excited. You are awesome. If you've lost that joy or you've never experienced that joy, it's because you don't know Jesus. Walk with him. Turn to him. Open up your heart. Let him heal the anger and the wounds and the hurt. And finally be honest with him and say, God, I'm broken and I'm angry, but I believe you're better. So let's pray together. Father, there's a lot of things that happen in our life that make us doubt you or fear you or wonder about what you're really doing or feeling a sense of not being protected or helped at times when we really needed you or really felt threatened. And Lord, everybody's journey here is different and I have no idea the pain that is on other people's hearts, but you know the pain. And so, Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit that you would bring the comfort that you have that allow people to release their anger, their disappointment, and their hurt. Lord, if you hold us 
we can be true to ourselves. We can be as angry as we need to be and as honest as we need to be so that we can become as whole as we need to be. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just come and bring your comfort and love to all of us here and those watching online, those who need you so that we feel as though we are not sitting on that couch of life alone and that you are not turned away from us, but you are turned towards us with arms outstretched, embracing us. Can I ask that if you have experienced disappointment in your life, something that stole your innocence, something that ruined your trust, something that made it hard for you to be free, something that closed you down, something you've made you feel like the world is not safe. If you have experienced that, can I ask you that you bring that pain to God? Say, Father, I don't know why these things have happened, but they have surely, they have so hurt me. I've become wounded on the inside and fearful. And so I pray, Father, for your help to deal with this pain. But you're the one I'm going to trust in this. I'm not going to turn away from you anymore. And I pray, Father, that you would restore my inmost being so that I again have that joy of salvation, that joy of knowing that you are you are loving and kind and full of grace, generosity towards me, that you want to give me things and not demand things from me so that my heart becomes whole and that my attitude becomes free so that I can be generous in every area of my life with you and the world who needs love. Father, I thank you, Lord, that your plan is bigger than I see and I put my trust in you and ask, Father, that you would restore and renew my faith so I can walk with confidence with you and live a fruitful life. Thank you for this healing now through Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.